please remain standing if you can uh, for the reading of the scripture. We're going to be reading from Galatians 3, uh, 1 through 5, if you want to read along. You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing the faith? With faith. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Do you suffer so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, such a good morning just to be here in your house, in your presence. Um, just thank you for the word. Thank you for teaching us um, through your word and delivering it to us. Um, we just thank you for your spirit, just delivering that um, through the work of Jesus, uh, his, his obedient life, and then uh, death and crucifixion, um, but through resurrection. So... Just the fact that you sent your spirit to indwell in us. Um, yeah, just just an amazing feat. And so we just praise you for that. We praise Jesus. Um, we just pray for Nick as he comes uh, to teach on this passage. Um, just pray for the hearts that are here and the ears that are here, that they would be open, um, that you would open them and that you would do a mighty work. Um, just humble ourselves before you and just want to be closer to you and learn more about you. Uh, we love you and praise you. Morning, everyone. How are we? We're good. Good. Anybody? Uh, anybody enjoying some March Madness? I know this guy repping Michigan over here. He's enjoying it. So. <clears throat> Um, well, for those of you that are new, my name is Nick, and I'm one of the, the elders here, and I have the privilege of getting to teach this morning, and uh, just grateful for each of you that are here, and uh, encouraged by even just what we've already sung together, and, uh, and what God has been doing in our interactions before we even uh, started our, our gathering, uh, just the reminder of how much I need to be in a place like this with other believers on a regular basis, and how it just uh, is, is the way God made us. It's not just, um, you know, not just that it's good to come to church and check the box and say, I went to church, I'm a good person, but like God designed us to be in community with other believers. And I think we say this fairly often, it's probably a broken record, but you know, this gathering, this is a, a, a family of, of believers, of Jesus followers, and we're on a mission together. It's Jesus's mission. It's not just our mission we made up. It's the one he gave us before he left the earth. He said, go make disciples of all people. And uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so every church, if it's a Christian church, ought to be doing that. And, uh, and for us, we, we have specific ways we do that. Um, but just wanted to take a minute and remind us of that, that that's why we exist. We're here for, uh, to follow our King Jesus, the true, the true and only one. And, and so um, the beauty is, is that, um, as we're going to talk about this morning, he didn't just give us the command uh, to go and do that. He actually gave us the power and the capacity to do it. And so uh, if you feel a little bit like you're running on empty today, uh, if you feel like you're a little bit weak and frail, 
you feel like you're a little bit like in a position of, I don't think I can add anything else to my plate. I don't know if I can do anything else. Uh, that's actually a good thing. Um, it's actually a, a God thing because he wants to bring us to the end of ourselves so he can do something that only he can do in our lives. And we're going to speak to that today. In fact, uh, as has already been read from Galatians chapter 3, um, I was planning on us uh, doing a little bit different teaching today, and then as I began to prepare this week, as I began to continue to, to, to be in the Word, I felt like the Lord was saying, slow down a bit here, that there was something significant that needed, He wanted to say to us. He wanted to say to me personally, and I think to us as a congregation, and uh, verse 3 captures it pretty well, but um, we're going we're gonna to hit this as we go, and... and, and um, I will tell you, we're not going to be able to, as, as it was with every week, I mean, this is one sermon, right? Like, we, we've got so much uh, God's teaching us. Uh, there's so many ways God's working. He is beyond our comprehension, um, yet he's given us these, these things in his, his word that he wants us to know about him and about how he works and about the way that the world is designed uh, to be, to be um, in order. Uh, and so we're just taking one step at a time, right? But in that, um, I was reading this week, and probably if you are anybody researchers or like to just kind of keep up with what's going on in the world, uh, you know, the, it's, it's interesting that uh, we live in a day and age where people are fascinated and, uh, and really like to a almost unhealthy degree, but they're fascinated with spirituality. Um, we see it in our, in our music, in our movies, in culture, right, pop culture, we see all these things about spirituality. And Pew Research, one of the greater, uh, bigger, larger research firms uh, in the U.S., they keep showing that each year uh, people are saying that they are more and more interested and open to spirituality. And at the same time, they're less and less open to organized religion. Okay? So think about that for a second. Just, just, just for a sec. There are people who are, we know they call them the religious nuns. That means they wouldn't basically connect with or identify with any sort of church, and, it, and it's not just Christian church, by the way, but just organized religion and form, right? There, there's a, a lower and lower number of people identifying with that, and at the same time, there's a greater and greater number of people that are open to and interested in spirituality, and I think what that indicates is a couple of things. One, I think God put it in the heart of people to search for transcendence. <laughs> we're, we're made for eternity. We're made for something more, uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, we've, we've quoted him many times here in this place. Ian said we're not going to, I think, where is Ian? He's not here today. I was going to give him a hard time. He said when he wasn't going to quote uh, C.S. Lewis just to say that we're, a Sunday would go by, right, that we didn't quote him. Um, but if he, he talks about this idea that there's this, these, the desires in, the, in, in humankind, and they're not satisfied in this world. And he says if you find desires that, that the world doesn't satisfy, it's, it's because you're made for another world. People have a longing, right, for something transcendent, something eternal, something bigger than what we can see with our eyeballs. But the reality is um, they don't think that Christians have it for a lot of people. They don't think that Christians and the Christian church, Christian religion actually has what they're looking for. And in some ways, I can't blame them because uh, it, it would be an observation to say that for many Christian church, they gather, they're good people, they do the church thing, and they come in, they go out, they sing some songs, they listen to some sermons, they do some good works, but there doesn't seem to be anything particularly dynamic uh, or supernatural about their lives. In fact, in many ways, they might look very much 
like everyone else in the culture. And I think that that con is concerning for a couple of reasons, and, and we're going to even speak to some of that today, but the fact of the matter is, is that the, uh, the Bible tells us that God's people, uh, that when we come to faith in Christ, that we're, we're not um, just people anymore. We're now people who are called temples of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit actually indwells inside of us. And he's doing something dynamic and something powerful and transformational in us. Now, hear, hear me. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that we're all walking around doing these miraculous things all the time, in a sense. Uh, but what I am saying is that there's, there's a way that there's a, there's a supernatural peace and joy. Because every time I see the, this idea that, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling You'll, you'll notice that joy is nearby. There ought to be a supernatural joy in the life of the believer, and it's not superficial joy, it's supernatural joy. It's not, hey, everything's great, you know, life's awesome, um, even when it's not. It, it, it's not this word games, it's not this weird way of just trying to act like everything's okay when it's not. It's, it's supernatural, there's a deep uh, there's a deep-seated, deep-rooted thing that God is doing in us that, that is overflowing out of us. Are you with me still? Okay. So I say that because I believe that um, Paul, as he's writing here to the Galatians, he says something that's significant uh, to, to me and to, to you um, as he was writing to them originally, remember? And, and just so we remember the context of this, um, in Galatians 1 and 2, Paul's already barreled into the fact that he sees these false teachers that are trying to add to the gospel. So the gospel, uh, we, we hope, I hope you know this, that the gospel as described in other places by Paul is Christ was crucified, he resurrected, right? And he's coming again, and he did that in order to redeem mankind, to rescue mankind. So Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the price for our sin, right? He didn't stay dead, he came out of the grave. And one day he's going to return and he's going to take his people home. Praise God for that, right? But we believe by faith, we, we receive that truth, and, and we receive in that moment, we, we receive um, the righteousness of God. And it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's awesome. Um, and so there's, there's a way, though, that in human nature, uh, we start trying to add to what God has done. And we see this show up. Uh, you know that you're adding to what God has done when you walk around with a lot of shame and guilt and fear as a Christian because you aren't measuring up to something that you think you're supposed to in order to maintain or, or keep your salvation. So like Jesus saved you, but now you think you've got to add some more to it or it's not enough. That's one way we see it. Or another way we see it is we see, we see self-righteousness where we look down on everybody and we're like, hey, you know, I'm better than these people. And we start comparing and competing with other people for righteousness because we think we've got, again, we have this righteous resume that God owes us something, we're entitled to something, or uh, even, again, that we, we are better than others. And so there's ways that, the, the, that adding to the gospel, and, and again, those are only a couple of indicators in my own heart when I'm feeling some self-righteousness or when I'm feeling some self-loathing. Those indicate I don't really believe and have received truly, you know, walking in the power of the, of the gospel in my life. And I see a lot of Christians in that, in that place because it is natural for us in our humanness to still wrestle that out at times. Um, and we've talked about this. And we said that when you believe the gospel, it will change the way you live. That 
Um, you're going you're gonna to live uh, in, a, in a way that is going to bring humility in your life, but also courage and confidence. Um, and so we want to we uh, continue to encourage each other to believe the truth about the gospel, that we are more sinful than we can imagine. At the same time, we are more loved than we can fathom. And that's one of the, the things that we can do in community with each other. But that said, um, in this passage, Paul has just uh, addressed the fact that he had a little run-in with Peter, one of the other apostles, and there were some issues that were going on where Peter was not willing to eat with Gentiles, non-Jews, um, and he was uh, not just behaviorally off there, but Paul said he was not living in line with the gospel, that he was trying to get his righteousness from who he associated with or didn't associate with. And at this particular point, last week, we kind of wrapped up chapter 2 with this, this really powerful and significant verse where he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And that passage of that it's not about me trying to be righteous by the law or the, these old these, these old ways that the Jews um, would practice, and in, in, in things that actually God even instituted at first, right? Um, but that righteousness comes through faith. Right standing with God comes through faith. And um, that we now live this life, we're dead to our flesh, but we're alive in the Spirit. And he continues that thought when he says, You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you? Um, that's pretty strong. He says, you're fools. Uh, he thinks that they, they, they've totally lost it. And he even says, somebody has, well, I think some translations, maybe if you're reading, like I think maybe even the NASB says, bewitched you. They believe that you could be like, you know, uh, that, a, that, that there's some incantations spoke over you that would, uh, that would, that would cause you to be uh, blinded to truth, right? And so he literally says, in the passage that they're at a point where uh, he thinks, man, you guys have, have lost it. You've completely lost sight. And he's strong here. And it's not because he's unloving. It's actually because he's very loving. He's concerned about their souls. He's concerned about the condition of their souls. Now, remember, um, uh, we, we believe that as he's writing this, he's writing it to the church, which are Christians. And he's saying, you guys, as Christians... You foolish Galatians, you, you, you are losing sight of the gospel. You've actually, again, adopted some of these teachings that came to you that are not in line with the gospel. Now, notice verse 2 and 3. I'm just going to read them to you because these two verses are parallel, and these two verses actually, what they do is they mirror each other, and they speak to what I want us to focus on for the rest of our time. He says, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? So he's saying in both of these, there's the receiving of the Spirit and the beginning of the Spirit, but then there's also the works of the law and the flesh. And so he's obviously saying something important about this salvation that we have received or that they had received, and if you're in Christ, that you've received. And I would say that this point that God really wanted me to slow down on was the fact that we see the Holy Spirit 
central to salvation. And many times that's not what, what we teach in, in uh, evangelical churches or modern Western Christian churches is that the Holy Spirit is central to the salvation. He doesn't, in this moment, doesn't go back and say um, about just like the, the gospel content of Jesus died, he rose again, he's coming back, like I said earlier. Now he's actually just equating it with the Spirit's work in your life. And this is why we know that a Christian is not just um, the same after they come to faith, but they're, they're a new creation in Christ, and now they're, again, as we said earlier, the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're new in Christ. We, if you are in Christ, we are new. And so he says here, he says, uh, I think three things that we could take away about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our lives. Verse 2, I already, I already made mention there. He says, did you receive the Spirit? Um, the question that I have for us, or maybe the thought and then a question, the thought is, we can receive the Holy Spirit. You're like, duh. <laughs> Some of you are like, this is so foundational. That's great. Um, I think that we can't skip over this. We cannot skip over this truth, this reality that we can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to back up for a second, and this is where I'm saying we're going to spend more weeks in the, in the, in the coming days um, talking about this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit isn't it. The Holy Spirit isn't a thing. The Holy Spirit isn't a feeling and emotion. It's not the chills you get when you're in a, in a powerful worship time, right? The Holy Spirit stirs his people, but the Holy Spirit is God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it's a, probably a verse that some of you may know, but listen to the first half of it. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The point being, God is, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think many times in the Christian circles, we teach God is Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And we forget the Spirit. We forget the work of the Holy Spirit and the significance. And I think it's actually offensive to God that we ignore and reject the fact that we, as God's people, again, need God in us, the Holy Spirit, that we are created to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not an it, and again, he's not, um, he's not just this distant, disconnected uh, reality. Uh, he is mysterious, right? And he works in mysterious ways. But for some of us in this room, maybe who grew up in church all our lives, we haven't really known what to do with the Holy Spirit. And so we've kind of been just sort of like, yeah, I think there's a spirit. I think I might have felt him one time. But notice what Paul says. He said, did you receive the spirit? Like, when you come to faith, that's your salvation, the, the change, the transition that happens, the spirit comes into the person, into the life of the person. Now, I'm guessing some of you probably heard this language before. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Ever heard that, that before? Growing up Baptist, it was like something that was asked to me all the time. Like, you know, asking people, do, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Have you received Jesus into your heart? And just, just again, biblically speaking to this, what we understand is that Jesus' spirit, God's spirit, is what comes into our lives and begins to, to set up shop there and begins to, to change us from the inside out. And this is, this is so critical, right? Because... What Paul says is, he says, you know, did you receive the Spirit? 
I hope so. Um, because the second point is that unless we receive the Spirit, we are not saved. Whoa. Now that's a little bit stronger, but let's, let's stop and talk about this for a second. Because no one is truly saved until they're regenerate. And no one is truly regenerate until the Spirit comes in and regenerates. And so for some, the reason why maybe, I've said this uh, a little earlier, is that maybe the reason why people see church and they don't see a lot of life there or they don't see a lot of supernatural work of God there is because maybe there's a lot of people that aren't regenerate there. I'm not saying that I'm the one who judges that, but I would say to you that there is a, there's a way that our lives are transformed and changed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we've already alluded to it a couple of times. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new, creature, new creation, new creature, right? The old is gone, the new has come. What is that? When John's, uh, in John's gospel, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's having this conversation with him about what it means to, to be saved. And Jesus tells him he has to be born again. And he says, every person has to be born of the water and of the Spirit. To be born again is to be born of the Spirit. To, be, to receive the, the Spirit. Are, are you still with me? Okay. I know I ask that fairly often around here. It's just because I want to make sure we're tracking, okay? Because we're, 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 we're just going to we make sure we're, we're clear and direct on this issue. Because he says... I would say here that if we haven't received the Holy Spirit, then we haven't received the gift of salvation. Because what we're receiving at salvation is God. We're receiving God into our lives, and he is completely changing and transforming us. Now, John Stott says this, The Christian life is life in the Spirit. It would be impossible to be a Christian, let alone live and grow as a Christian, without the ministry of the gracious Spirit of God. Isn't that so true? Listen to what Romans 8, verse 9 says. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And then listen to what J.I. Packer says. God is triune. There are within the Godhead three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the work of salvation is one in which all three act together. The Father purposing redemption, the Son securing it, and the Spirit applying it. In Ephesians 1.13, which is where Packer even draws this from, many of you are accustomed with, if you've spent much time around here, you know Ephesians 1 might be one of our favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And in Ephesians 1.13, he says, When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So I say all that not to be harsh or mean, but to simply say, if you have never sensed the work of the Spirit in you, then today's an invitation to experience and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the salvation of your soul the transforming power of God. Because the Christian faith is not just another religion. It's not just another religion. Some people classify it as that. But that's not what it is. It is being completely made new in Christ. 
It is being indwelled by the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God who breathed the world into existence, spoke it into existence, living inside of this. These, as Paul describes, these earthen vessels, but with a treasure that's unsurpassable. So we can receive the Spirit. Unless we've received the Spirit, we're not truly God's children. But we also know this. We will know if we receive the Spirit. I'm just going to give us two ways that Galatians, because the rest of the book of Galatians, he's actually going to unpack this. And there's two primary ways. Notice what, what Paul says. He says, you foolish Galatians who hypnotized you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. One of the first ways we know that we have received the Spirit is because we have seen And I don't mean just seen with our eyes. We have seen with our very hearts that Christ, that the cross was real and it was for us. And we've received it. Because there is no person, Scripture says, no person comes to God except the Spirit draws him. So the only way that the cross actually makes sense to a human being is the Spirit of God. Think about that for a second. I spent a lot of my life taking credit for my salvation. I prayed a prayer. I did this. I did this. But the more I walk with Jesus and the older I get, the more I realize that if the Spirit hadn't acted on me, there was no way I would have chosen him. It's a mystery. It's a profound mystery. But it's an awesome thought. We will know if we've received the Spirit because we believe the gospel, that we actually believe that Jesus did come and he lived and he died. You know, Paul says in another place in Corinthians and in other, another place, he says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. He says that's foolishness. To the world, the, the cross is stupid. It's ignorant. Like, how is salvation found in some Jewish guy being born, uh, you know, in, in Bethlehem and, and basically living this life that, we say he was sinless, and then he goes to a cross, and then he dies on the cross, and then that's like, that's how we get saved? What? I mean, think about it. It's a foolish message. Until the Spirit opens your eyes and you see how brilliant it is, how wise. It is the wisdom of God. In fact, Romans, he says, it is the power of God and salvation for all who believe. But we can't get there without the work of the Spirit. And we won't stay there without the work of the Spirit because what Paul's addressing is actually the fact they're drifting away from that reality. So we will see Christ. He says this idea of vividly portrayed. You know, when Paul was writing about this in Corinthians, it's one of my favorite passages. It's actually one I come back to fairly often as a, someone who teaches and preaches. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Starting in verse 1, he says, When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. You guys all know that. For I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit. So that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Praise God, he can use imperfect and weak vessels to get his gospel message out. 
Any of you feel overwhelmed by the thought that you've got neighbors and family members and coworkers and friends who don't know Jesus, and you're like, I don't think I could present the gospel very clearly to them. Hey, Paul said, I didn't try to. I just came and said, here's the gospel and the, and the power of the, the resting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because thankfully, it's not so much about the messenger as the message. About the Savior and about the work that Spirit is doing. Now, we know Paul was a good communicator. And we know Paul knew a lot about the law and the Old Testament. Um, he, he knew a lot. But in those moments, he said, I preach Christ crucified. And the fact is, is that, again, it's foolish until the Spirit opens our eyes. And thankfully, if you're in Christ today, the Spirit has opened your eyes. The Spirit has opened my eyes. But I want to say in this is that not, not only did the, did the Spirit open our eyes to begin with, but the, the Spirit continues to open our eyes. The Spirit continues to stir us. The, sp- the Spirit continues to move in us. Remember what Jesus said? For some of you, maybe you're familiar. If you're not, when Jesus was leaving the earth, he said, you actually want me to go away because I'm going to send you a helper, the paraclete. He's the one who's going to come alongside of you, and he's going to comfort you. He's going to convict you, but he's also going to remind you of truth, of what really life is all about, of who you truly are, the salvation that Christ has purchased for us. Aren't you so glad we have the Holy Spirit? Aren't you so glad that God is in us? So we're not alone. We're not alone. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. But he's at the throne room of heaven right now. Jesus is. But his spirit's not. His spirit's in us and moving and working in us and around us. So we will not only have clarity of the gospel and keep finding ourselves coming back to it because the spirit's working in us, but we will also begin to display Christ-like desires and character. Now, I can't jump forward too much here, but... You guys know what Galatians 5 has in it, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, when we get there, we're going to talk about that in more depth. But just know this. If the Spirit is in you, then you will start looking more and more like Jesus. And you won't just have to try to do it. As you trust Him, as you follow Him, as you listen to Him, He will begin to produce that fruit in you. And so... The thing that you and I can know today is that, yes, um, apart from the work of the Spirit, we're, we're not saved. But if we're in the Spirit, then we can confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, and we will start to follow him. In fact, not just follow him and obey him, but like want to. People come to me fairly often, and they ask the question like, how can I be a true Christian if I still do these dumb things? I don't want to do these dumb things, but I keep finding myself doing these dumb things. And it could be things like getting angry or being lustful or being jealous. Um, and here's the thing that I remind them of and I remind myself of. Even those moments when we are foolish, just like the Galatians, and we forget the gospel, Praise God the Spirit is bringing conviction. And it actually, it's a gift to us to be convicted. Right? 
because he doesn't condemn us, he calls us to joy. He calls us to life. He calls us to live out the salvation that he's gifted us. And so um, Christians don't have to walk around beat down by, by the fact that we, we still struggle sometimes and we fail. Anybody fail this week? Any moms and dads in the room fail parenting this week? Any of you, anybody in your workplace fail this week to be a good example, witness? Anybody fail to be patient and kind with others and have the fruit? Absolutely, right? We all know that. Does that mean we're not saved? <laughs> no, we don't, we don't receive the Spirit by the works of the law. But guess what? Hopefully, as we, in fact, the promise is as we continue to surrender to, to God and the work of the Spirit in our lives, we will look more and more like Christ. And when that conviction comes, we don't have to run from God. We can run to God. And we can know that we're forgiven in Christ, and we can ask for help, and he helps us in our weakness. So we begin to display Christ-like desires and character. We aren't just loving, and we aren't just obeying. We are lovingly obeying because the Spirit's at work in us. Can't do that without the Spirit. I've spent some time talking to different people from different religions, and it's very interesting to see the motivation. Uh, And I'm not picking on anybody, but I've had time to talk to Muslims and Hindus in particular in Indonesia. And when you talk to them, what you hear is the motivation to adhere to the rules is one of extrinsic pressure. So the hope is, is that I meet up to a standard and that the gods, however they define that, will be appeased, that they'll be pleased. For us in Christ, that's not how this thing works. Because as we've been saying, as we work through Galatians, God is pleased with us, but not because of our performance, but because of Christ. Isn't that awesome? So we're no longer trying to just please God with our good works, but we, again, do good works because the Spirit is at work in us to produce things that honor Jesus, that point people to him, that it's not about us anyway, that it's about him, it's about his glory. Listen to these words from Ezekiel. For those of you that have been reading along in the Bible, with us in 90 days, we're kind of working our way through the Bible. I don't know how many of us are going to actually finish in 90 days, um, but we're making, our, we're making our way through, which is awesome. Um, and so this week, my wife and I, we, we read through some Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Joel, or all those fun minor prophets. I say fun tongue in cheek because they're not fun. Um, but there's, there's little glimpses in there, right? Mixed in. And so this week in Ezekiel, he says this in verse 24 of chapter 36. And I, I find this is great because this is an Old Testament passage, but listen to the words. This is what God does. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you into your own land. And I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And this is verse 27. I will, give my, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Even in the Old Testament, we see this beautiful reality that God is going to do what we can't do for ourselves. It's really easy to read the Old Testament passage and go, these guys were rebellious punks. And then I realize I'm a rebellious punk. But God, 
but God. <laughs> Praise God for those words in Scripture. But God. He gifts us his spirit. He cleanses us from unrighteousness. So if we, if we want to if we want to grow in spiritual power in our lives, anybody want to grow in spiritual power and capacity to be the kind of person that God's created us to be? <laughs> I'm assuming all of us. I love it that he says, so then does God supply you with the spirit and work miracles among you, among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Let me read that one more time, verse 5 here. It's because some of you guys today, you're like, I want more of God, so I'm going to perform better for him. But listen to what he says. So then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying we just need to come and we just need to say, God, I receive from you what you've already said you're giving and what you've given. Today, I'm not going to try to make up for it. I'm not going to try to tilt the scale in my, in my favor. I'm not going to try to, you know, this week, God, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better coworker. I'm going to be a better whatever it is you have in your mind that you need to do. And then you're going to do these things for me because you, you see God as transactional. That's not how the gospel works, and that's not how our sanctification works. Praise God for that. Because he says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were his enemies, he made us sons and daughters. But what did we have to do? We had to receive it by faith. Some of you are like today, like, that's just too easy, right? It takes incredible humility to receive the grace gift of God and stop trying to earn it. Paul is so frustrated because what he sees here is he sees a people who've moved away from receiving by faith and started trying to earn it and adding other things to the gospel. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your life, kids. I don't know where you are, adults. But listen, God has gifted us salvation, and he is working in our lives, and it's our job to put ourselves daily in a position of just surrender and submission. Saying, God, I receive from you. I receive what I need, and I pray that I would submit to and surrender to the work of the Spirit. We receive it by faith today, putting our trust in you. Um, as we do this, like, you know, remember, remember Jesus' words. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In fact, before that, he says, come to me, all who are weary heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. His yoke, by the way, it wasn't like we think about oxen, yoke, and that thing. I know all of y'all have oxen, right? No, but we think of that, maybe. It was actually his, his teaching. A rabbi's yoke was his teaching. And he says, my teaching isn't just going to heap more shame and guilt and condemnation on you. My, my teaching is going to bring you to life. And my teaching is going to lead you to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that will change you from the inside out, not the outside in. Praise God for that. So I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes. And um, just as we close, we've talked about this in very plain, simple terms today. I, ho I hope it's helpful. But my invitation to you 
as really God's invitation to us is first and foremost, if you've never received the gift of the Spirit, if you never received because you still don't believe that Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising again, was to save you and rescue you from your sins, then that's step one. Step one. And so I'm praying right now. In fact, I would ask that if you are a believer in the room, you would pray right now that every person here would come to that place of receiving by faith through the work of the Spirit, salvation. Can we just pray that right now? And then, if that's you, then we invite you to go talk to someone today. We encourage you to go and have a conversation with someone and say, today, I, for the first time, received the gift of salvation and the, and the gift of the Spirit. If, you're, if you are a Christ follower and you know that you are saved and you've experienced the power of the Spirit who's opened your eyes to believe that the cross and the resurrection applies to you and it is the only means to which we can be saved, if you believe that, but you have been resting and relying on your own power and capacity to do what God's called you to do with your life, then today is a moment of surrender. If you've been trying to change yourself by your own willpower, if you've been trying to control your behavior rather than surrendering to the work of the Spirit, then today is a moment for us. And here's what I want us to do. I want, if that's where you are, if you know you've been resting and relying on your own strength, then I want to encourage you to find someone in this next little moment here where we just find someone to pray with you and say, would you just pray that over me? Because there's something powerful when we engage one another and when we're honest and then we receive from each other. But we just pray that, would you, would you just pray that I would have a fresh sense of the work of the Spirit and I would trust in His ability instead of my own. I invite you to do that today as a practical application that you would just say, Holy Spirit, forgive me for neglecting you. Forgive me for trying to do this in the flesh. I've been bewitched. I've been hypnotized. I've been, I've been foolish. And I want to move back into wisdom, spiritual wisdom that says I'm going to rely on you, God, and not myself. And so I invite you to do that. And if you need healing or you need help today in any way, shape, or form, if you, need, if you need God to move in your life and you would like someone to pray for you, we'll have some folks available to pray. Some of the elders and some of our, our, our folks who are on the prayer team. And we invite you to do that. Or you can find again, find somebody else who brought you. But let's not, let's not just run out of this place when God's saying, I have what you need. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.